Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, and I am here with Pat Nemmers for another discussion about uh, our message from Sunday. And we were talking about James chapter 4. Well, we were in James chapter 4 and talking about real humility. Yep. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you. It feels like it's been a long time. Has it it been a long time? I I feel like I say that every time we get together. Well, I think you've tried to get out of it the last couple (laughs) of times, to be honest. (laughs) Humbly speaking, when you say that's probably true, Abe. Speaking of humility, this is going to be an interesting podcast because uh, we're speaking of humility. So um, it, it obviously makes you check yourself and say, oh, man, are we... Are we acting in humility? Are we talking humbly? Are we portraying ourselves humbly? Which it was a great message. It was a very practical. Um, why don't you give us a quick, quick overview of the the message, just really quickly, the points, and then we'll we are we have already had some discussion about this, but we've had some people ask like, hey, what does that look like? What does that practically yeah. look like? How does that play on our lives? Well, it's a passage of scripture that a lot of people are familiar with, and some people, uh, even myself, have memorized. Uh, certain parts of James chapter 4, such as God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's a great word. It's great truth. And then, of course, he concludes that section with uh, similar words, humble yourselves, you know, therefore before the Lord, and he'll exalt you. So the focus of the message was not so much the fact of humility and that God opposes humble people, or proud people rather, and gives grace to humble people. But we spent most of our time looking at what I called the guts of humility uh, and what it, you know, what it, what it consists of. And uh, I don't know if you were going to say anything about it, but I, I said very early on uh, that real humility never makes demands, you know, that it never uh, negotiates, uh, doesn't look for outs, you know, and angles and things like that. Uh, and generally speaking, it it does not resist God-given authorities. And that was sort of a categorical statement, but there may be times you have to resist an authority. I'm not denying that, but humility will not tend to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a question that I had because that <clears throat> when you when you preached it, you said it won't resist God-given authorities, which for for your role and my role, I mean as elders here that that comes into play right yeah and whatever leading small groups community groups and maybe stepping into people's lives and challenging people to walk with the lord um but what what is that as we get into this and as we get into like the whole humility part a lot of times you know it might be a um, even god-given authority right so like um a boss or a husband-wife relationship or a parent-child relationship where there's authority, how do, how do you see that playing out? Like we're talking like maybe more from a church perspective and what we do, but like a lot of people listening to this are saying, yeah, how do I deal with my boss or my husband who doesn't show a lot of humility? Yeah. I mean, well, I think that submission, thats that was the first, the guts of remember, is that we were to submit to God, but submission in general is something that Every Christian should uh, should we should love that word. You know, we're we're to submit to God, and we should submit to our authorities. And that doesn't mean that our authorities are always right. 
It doesn't mean that their attitude was always right. It doesn't mean that their motivations were always right, but we are always going to be right when we have an attitude of submission. Now, we ought to obey God rather than men. There are going to be times where we have to resist authority. No question about it. But I'm going to go on record and saying that doesn't happen very often. You know, again, if you, ha- I mean, we could really tease this out about a lot of things. You could have an unsaved parent or an unsaved spouse who is asking you to do something that's unbiblical or ungodly that or that's against your conscience. And then those are going to be times where you will have to um, very humbly resist your authority, and you would have to be humble. And when you see people resisting authority in the Bible, it, it's a it's a it's a very humble way of. I even like I just thought of this just now where Peter says, you know, you choose what you want to do, but we we ought to obey God rather than men. I mean, he's not like being defiant there. Some people might read it as such. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's being defiant. He's just saying, I've got to obey my ultimate authority. And uh, in that regard, I think we can always be submissive to our authorities, even in the rare times where we have to resist them. Yeah. So like let me give you let me give you a maybe a scenario or an example of, because we hear this, you know, where someone confronts someone, maybe like, let's say somebody confronts someone in their pride, which I think you even mentioned this in the message about some conversation you had with somebody about humility or whatever. Um, but it's, it's not an authority, right? It's, it's two friends, it's yeah. two siblings, it's two coworkers, two Christians, but somebody confronts somebody or whatever, how how are we supposed to respond in those situations with the, like you said, the submission and the humility and stuff? Because it's not an authority. You're not an authority, right? Like that person might say, like, well, they're not authority in my yeah. life. What does that look like when it's just a level playing field? It's not somebody like over me or whatever, or a boss or a husband or a parent. I think that we should take it really seriously when a peer, a friend, or, you know, somebody even outside of our friendship, but they come into our life with good intentions and they confront us on some character, uh, some attitude, some action that we've taken. I think it should give us pause if somebody comes to us. I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't, I can't say that I've always uh, been that way. I, I have really uh, striven, strove to be that way in the, over the, past several years I had a situation occurred like that at a at a coffee shop as many years ago now probably eh, 10 years ago I'm, I'm terrible at chronology but this guy not in our church but a Christian guy uh, in our community and uh, you know he's he has a business anyway I won't get into uh, what he does but we saw each other a lot at the same coffee shop. But we never really interacted. We introduced ourselves to one another once, and and he was always in his little um, his little uh, clutch of people he was hanging with, and I'd be either by myself or somebody else. But we never really interacted, and uh, he just sort of came off as a know it all, and that really turned me off. And so I just um, I just I was cool to him. I wasn't mean to him. I just. I mean, I'd say I'd wave at him and I'd nod at him. You know what you do when you see people in public that you don't really know and you give them a nod or you wave at them and you just go about your business. 
But he took that as very put offish. He put he took that as very uh, standoffish and uh, uh, prideful for me. And one day he he was just having a bad day. Apparently, uh, he just confronted me on this right in right right in the middle of the coffee shop. Again, this is a long time ago, but in the moment that he confronted me on being, uh, he, 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 what did he accuse me? I, I, don't, I think he might accuse me of arrogance. And in the moment, as he said it, my first thought was, he could not be more wrong than what, what he's saying. My next thought was, why is he saying this to me? I thought, I mean, I, then my next thought, I'm fine. I don't deserve this. But literally, this is all half firing at the same time. Like, and yet he's he's leveling me right now. And I looked at him, and I can still remember the feeling I had inside. You know, my dander was really getting up with his what I thought was a false accusation. But my next thought was somehow or another, I must have conveyed that to him, just in the way I was interacting with him. For it went on for maybe a year or two. So I'm thankful. I got to tell you, in that moment. God gave me grace, and I looked at him, and I said, I'm, I'm almost going to say his name. I'm not going to say his name, but I said his name, and I said, I don't know what I did to convey this to you, but I do know this. Uh, I'm really, really sorry that I did. Please forgive me for that. And later that day on uh, social media, I just... And I wasn't searching it. It just popped up on social media. You know, sometimes the algorithms will kick up. His name comes up. And he wrote in social media, gained a new friend today. And I just know he was talking about me. And now we've had many conversations over the last 10 years, and we get along great. Mm. Uh, But um, I don't know if that's where you're going, but that's where my mind went. So there you go. Well, I think it's a great... It is a great thing. Like if someone's gonna if someone's gonna call us out, I mean, this was what I was thinking too. Like nobody nobody goes into life saying, I wanna be a proud person. I mean, I, I don't know too many people that I've talked to, maybe you have, but I've not talked to anybody that's like the up I wanna be known as proud and arrogant, especially as a believer. Like nobody wants that. I think everyone's striving for humility. Everybody's desiring a humble persona, demeanor and a humble spirit. But that's not true. We know that because we, we all can, we can see it in others. We can't see it in ourselves. But I think the, um, the idea of if someone does come and say something to me, that should definitely cause us to pause. It should definitely cause us to say, whoa, the yeah. fact, the fact that they would say that to me, I respect them, hopefully, whatever. Um, they know me, I know them. And they said something to me or called me out on some sort of pride in my life. Like that should definitely cause us to to pause and to really think. And and I I've um, we've talked about this verse before, but the Proverbs twenty six mm. two. I was thinking about that passage. Like a sparrow uh, in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying. A curse that is causeless does not alight or land. Yeah, right. Which you know, our hearts are deceptive and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So like, like in your situation, right? Man, I didn't. I didn't mean anything by that, but man, the way it was portrayed to that guy, he did not like it. Right. And I think it, it definitely causes us to, but I, like you said too, I think we need to have that mentality of like, I need to listen to this. Yep. Yep. I agree. I don't know that every, you know, I do think that everybody wants to be known as humble, 
probably. That's probably true. But I wouldn't agree that everybody strives to be humble. I mean, I think this, I think if anything, we strive to be known. We strive to put our reputation out there. We angle. I've even, you know, I've found it. I've discovered it in myself, you know, where you're trying to angle the, to say something. Then you think to yourself, why did I just do that? I mean, mm. uh, it's all, you know, I go, what, there's another proverb. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. And if we just take that right. at face value, we'll, we won't become braggarts even uh, subtly. So the, so the first, let's just look at a couple of these. The first one you had was submission to God, and you're talking about military, you know, getting yourself underneath something voluntarily, not forcibly, right? You get under God, you're not in charge. Um, how, how do you, how do you, um, you know, I, I love that phrase of like, you you know, you humble yourself before the Lord, Lord, I'm not in charge, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not calling the shots here, but like spiritually that's true, but then like humanly, Humanly, a lot of people are in charge, right? You're in charge. I'm in charge at at Sailorville. We make decisions. We are over people. We make decisions for the church or whatever. Mm -hmm. There are bosses. There are husbands. There are parents. How do you lead? How do you make decisions? How do you direct a family or kids? But doing it in a humble way, not in a proud, arrogant way because I'm in charge and I have a title. Um. I try to take a page out of your book a little bit that way. I, I was with somebody just the other day. I had lunch with a friend just the other day. Uh, a man that uh, I had the joy of leading to Christ maybe two months ago. Uh, him and his girlfriend. And I went to lunch with him. And uh, he there are some areas he really, as I see it, he really needs to get a grip on. He's a great guy, a great business guy. Seems like a really nice guy. Uh, but he's... But there are some areas in his life that need he needs to address. Let's just put it that way. And uh, the old me, uh, the legalistic uh, me, the guy who just the the Bible answer man me, you know, I, you know, come out there, just boom, you know, here's the scripture, do it, you know. I would have just by now for sure. I would have I would have gone after those things and identified them to him with the idea. You need to, and here's the Bible. Here's what you're doing. Here's what the Bible says. And what are you going to do about it? Right. Uh, and uh, I'm less that way now uh, with my authority. I'm more having a conversation with them, uh, looking for the opportunity to, for the matter to come up more naturally. And uh, it, th- that takes patience. And, uh, and, and, you know, for a guy like me, I like things get done like right now. That's just, that's a real challenge for me because I, you know, I, I want that, I want that presto changeo sanctification going here, you yeah, know, yeah. that isn't the way it happens. It's not the way God grows people. And one of the things I've learned uh, by not overusing my authority that somebody has to submit to is that you gain friends that way. You, you get to spend more time with them. They, they take, you take a liking to them and they take a liking to you and it's real. Now it's still hanging out there and I, yeah, I'd like to address it. And even as we speak, this person I'm thinking of, I I really want to get to this issue, but I need to trust the Lord on the timing of it. No, that's good. I think, yeah, that even as a, I think as a, you know, personally speaking, as a husband, as a, as a father, 
just how, you know, I can make my kids do whatever I want. Like I've got that strong of a personality that I could come in there and I have, and it doesn't go real well. Mm-mm. I mean, it doesn't, Mm-mm. you know, I, I can make my kids do stuff, but I haven't dealt with their heart. It's just behavior modification. It's, yeah. We're not really dealing with same with a, a husband wife situation, right? Like, well, I'm, you know, I'm the authority. I'm the, I'm the leader of this marriage and you should submit. And, you know, that doesn't go well. Yeah. Now we're talking about our attitudes to our authorities here. I mean, the guts of humility, but, and I think I've shared this story and maybe even on a podcast before, but I, I, I it was a powerful enough story in my life. It's a good parental adv- advice. I think when you have little kids, you just tell them what to do and they do it. And that's the way it should work. They, Kids aren't thinking abstractly and those kind of things. They should they should understand the black and white, the yes and no, the obey and disobey, sin and all of that. But as our kids get older, especially when they get into their teenage years, we have to give them a little rope. We got to figure out they let them figure it out on their own and work through their their doubts. Um, my son. I like to say this because I have lots of sons. Nobody knows which one I'm talking about. But, and this is not a son that you, this is one of my sons was, uh, was, was, was uh, accused of smoking marijuana. And uh, I got it through a backdoor situation. I got it uh, through somebody else told me this. I was really disappointed. Didn't see that happening with this particular son. So I, I went to his bedroom. I'm leaning up against the door frame. And I, he was, I can still picture him. He's sitting by at the desk. And I said, uh, so-and-so said this, is this true? And he said, he looked right at me. He said, yeah, it's true, dad. I did, but I only did it. Well, I'm not, I don't really, it didn't, it, I, I, I don't want to keep doing it. It's not like I liked it. Okay. And I was reactionary in the moment. I said, son, actually name I can't believe you didn't do that. Why would you do that? You know better than that. I, I think those are my words. Yeah. What a stupid thing to say. And uh, and I'll I'll never forget. He said, "Ah, Dad, I'm not even sure what I believe right now." And that you that remember that story? Mm-hmm. I mean, he that you know you talk about being knocked over with a feather. You could have knocked me over with a feather when he said, "I'm not even sure what I believe right now." And uh, man, I was devastated when he said that and in my heart and i really sensed the holy spirit saying in that moment uh embrace him in his doubt and uh you know i'm thankful i was able to do it he's doing great he loves the lord day and all this but man in that moment it was not a time to overly assert my authority Mm. because he was not being belligerent he was not being he wasn't really resisting me he was just telling me the truth and man I, I, to this day, I'm thankful to God that he told me the truth and doubly thankful to God that he kept me from being too hard on him. Yeah, which is a great reminder just to be grace filled when we're working with people and people are like the the guy you're talking about, like, all right, let's walk with them through this, right? Like yep. we want, yep. we want the quick response. We want our kids to respond. We want everything to work out just right, but to be, to be patient and gracious. Um, the, one of the other points was fighting the devil. And you talked about Ephesians 6, putting on the whole armor of God and uh, the fence of the Holy Spirit. You talked about your dog and stuff like that. Um, 
Wait, did you like that illustration? That was a fun illustration, dude. That didn't mean anything to you, huh? My husky trying to jump I, the yep, fence. Yep. Yep. I I'm I'm getting there. Man, that was a big win for me personally. That's the <laughs> first time I've ever shared that illustration. <laughs> I've actually heard it before. You have not heard that before. Yes, I have. I have never shared that illustration before. <laughs> okay, I haven't heard it. <laughs> Man, if you'd have kept going, you might have convinced me that I did. Okay, go on. Um so you were you would this was kind of goes into the other point too, like going to God, our initiation drawing near to him. And you had made a comment. I just want you to kind of expound on it. You had said, you know, you had said like the idea of like, we are more than conquerors in Christ, but then you said something about get behind me, Satan. Oh. And you said like, why would you do that? That's not a great comment to make or whatever. But yet, like, what did you mean by that? Maybe expound a little bit on on that because we we are then to pray again against temptation, Matthew six, you know, the Lord's yep. prayer. Yep. So maybe just explain a little bit. What well, you actually I, I'm looking at my notes. So I know exactly what I said. Those were in my notes. I said, this is more than just get thee behind me, Satan. And really I, I, I what I meant was those who just will just very flippantly say, get thee behind me, Satan, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, this is more than that. You're resisting the devil. This is, this is taking this whole business of having to resist uh, evil in your life, taking it very seriously and to recognize that on a daily basis, because Jesus told us we're supposed to pray on a daily basis. Yeah. And if we're told by our savior to pray every day against personal temptation and deliver us from evil, then we ought to pray every day against personal temptation and against uh, evil. And even as I say that, I think, boy, there are days where I, I may not have uh, earnestly sought the Lord that way. I don't want that to happen because mm -hmm. it's a real thing. And as we we reminded in that point that uh, even in the life of Jesus, he did. It wasn't a one and done thing. It was uh, when Satan fled, like James tells us he will when we submit ourselves to God. He only did so for times so we swing back. Yeah, and I know you have asked before the church. Uh, you know, how many of you have prayed? You know, how many prayed today that? against temptation that like God yeah. would deliver you, you know, the Matthew six passage yeah. and a lot, not a lot of people raise their hands most of the time. Right. Cause it's, well, I'm good, which I love that point that you made of, he waited for the opportune time because it is, well, I'm good today. Mm -hmm. We put, we let our guard down, we get proud and we, we think we've got it. And then he waits until you're weak, till you're tired, till you've, well, I think th th this goes back to the conversation we had on a staff level today. We were talking about discipleship and uh, what that looks like in a church and uh, what that looked like in Jesus's life, what that looked like in the Apostle Paul's life, what that looked like in the early church. And everybody was listing their things. And I asked the question, if you'll recall, you know, was there anything you kind of learned as you worked in your groups on this? For me personally, it was the idea of discipleship involves confronting. It involves uh, confronting someone mm. when, they, when they're going the wrong way. It involves saying what you did was wrong, calling out bad attitudes. Sometimes when we talk about discipleship, it's just one, it's all one positive way, but we all know that's not, that's not true. That's, right. not, that's not even experience. That's not even the experience I have in life. I have to be called out from time to time. And I think, you know, it's the same thing with our, uh, with our struggles. It's, it's the reason why you also know, I, I detest is too strong a word, 
But, you know, so many people love that uh, acronym, ACTS, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. If you think about it, it's almost all very positive, unless you see the confession as something uh, confessing sin, and that's that's good. But there's nothing in there about praying against temptation, uh, praying against the evil one. And I think that should be incorporated into our daily resistance of evil. And that's the reason why I... I I don't like those kind of acronyms that donate. That wh- why do we need an acronym when we have the words of Jesus, which is if when you pray, pray like this, and so. But we that, still want you to pray if you if you use the axe thing. It's okay for people to pray that way. No, I'm telling you, just right. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the. I mean, you you don't you don't fool me anymore yeah. eh, with your facial expression. So if so. you are praying the axe thing, we we love that. Uh, just add the pray against temptation to your prayer. Yeah, figure out a different acronym. A C T T S. Yeah, there you temptation go. Temptation. There you the, go. Is the second T. There it is. There it is. Okay, so so let's quickly talk about that because you you talked about like conf- confronting people, which I think some of this is right. Like I see pride in somebody, and a lot of times we see that in other people. We don't necessarily see it in ourselves because we think we're humble or whatever but you you do this you do it well the the confronting people you're not fearful of it it doesn't seem like where you'll step into someone's life and say hey i you know it's not necessarily a bible verse though like there's a sense in which you kind of have like this sense there's like this i'm 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 sensing something right and i then i go and talk to somebody but like not everybody's wired like you are where you, they can just step into someone's life like that. Like, cause it's, well, I'm going to be looked at as like, I'm better than you or I'm mm-hmm. arrogant or who do you think you are? Or, well, okay, you're going to call me out. I'm going to call you out on something. Right. So how do we do that in a humble way that's loving and caring and compassionate and helping whatever our children our parents our spouses, bosses, whatever. Well, I think the answer is right in Scripture where it says, Brothers, if anyone, in Galatians 6, if anyone's caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's it's not, uh, you know, it's not a proud thing for me to say that that's, I'm an exhorter. You know, I'm the guy who comes in there. I'm the the heavy hand. I'm the bad cop. You know, give me your designation. I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not proud of that designation. I don't want to be known that way, but I do know it's the way I'm wired. And, um, and so I do have to consider myself and realize that the person that does that is also the person that has to be willing to get called out when he's wrong. And I've been around you long enough to know that uh, for you to know that, uh, Lord willing, I, I'm that person. I'm the that can get called out for his mm-hmm. sin, and uh, hopefully, you know, respond properly in the moment because that's the only way. That's the only way your your exhortations are going to re- be received in the by others if they know that you yourself will humble yourself. So why not just let it go though? Like in your mind, like when you get those whatever that the sense from the, the spirit of the Lord to say, I need to go talk to Abe or whatever. Why not let it go? Why not just let it go? Cause I'm not helping anybody. Right. I'm not helping them. I, I, I remember, uh, your friend in arts, Lucas bear, he's our missionary, uh, to Brazil. And he has a story. You've heard it 
Uh, it goes way back to when you guys were just babies around here. You know, <laughs> you were making money back when I had hair. Back when you had hair on your head and you were running around with the uh, with the kids as our youth pastor. Uh, and Dave Heisterkamp, our flagship church planner at Lakeside Fellowship in uh, Polk City, was on staff. And uh, Lucas, I don't remember what he said, but Dave looked at him. Dave was an exhort. <laughs> Dave said to him, you're just a man pleaser to Lucas. And man, I'm telling you, that cut Lucas in half to be called a man pleaser. But he recognized soon thereafter that that is exactly what he was. And he needed to deal with that. And if it wasn't for Dave... Granted, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of finesse in Dave when he said it, but it did the job. The confrontation did the job, and it caused Lucas to be humble in that area. Mm -hmm. Helped him. Yeah. So that's the reason why. If you don't do it, you're, if I don't do it, I'm being disobedient. You know, if, if God is prompting me to talk to somebody. Yeah, about and you're that. doing it out of love. You're doing it because you care about the individual or the child or whatever, right? Like I. I want to help them. I want them to be more like Jesus. That is the yeah. that is discipleship. That yeah. is coming alongside somebody and showing them. And I think people can tell that, like, okay, I'm doing this out of love versus I'm doing this out of anger. I'm doing this out of frustration. I'm doing this to just get a pound of flesh. And yeah, one of the things that we wrote in our thing today, which didn't come out, was uh, uh, Galatians two, where Peter, where uh, remember uh, in Galatians two, the apostle Paul confronted Peter for his hypocrisy. Yeah. Well, there's a leader confronting another leader. It's a great example where discipleship isn't just one directional. You know, it's going to be the other way. You're going to have to get kicked around every once in a while. You're not going to turn out to be a very good disciple. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, any other any other things that you said or that you didn't get to say in the message or any responses that you got from people afterwards that would be helpful for those listening, uh, back, Lucas Bear said to me that he was he happened to be in the message. He, he loved that quote from Spurgeon: "A dry-eyed faith will never see the kingdom of God." Mm. And I would just challenge our listeners. I know that many of them are Christians, but you, you should ask yourself: Do you have a real faith? If it's real faith, it experienced real humility. I don't care if you were a little girl or an older man. There has to be a time where your your heart was convicted of its sin and recognized what Jesus did for you and broken before him, trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, please make sure that you do. Humble yourself before God, and he will exalt you. Yeah, that's really good. I, th I think that question is a great question, and I think even you might have said it in the message, but just, you know, when, ha when have you gotten low— spiritually speaking, but then also like, you know, as a believer too, when have you, when's the last time you've humbled yourself? Yeah. When's the last time you've sought forgiveness? When's the last time you've taken correction with the right attitude as of from the Lord? Like, man, that was good. I needed that. I needed yeah. to hear that. Yeah. And to your question of teasing something out, I didn't think about this till now. Seems like it's just a couple more minutes. The last thing I'll say is, You'll remember the illustration I gave on the Get Low, the movie that came out back in 2010 with Robert Duvall walks into a town and says, it's time for me to get low, you know, and he's going to plan his own. He does, he plans his own funeral and he's there. Eight to 12,000 people actually showed up for this funeral in real life in 1938 uh, at Cave Baptist Church in, I think, Newport, Tennessee. Crazy. But here's a challenge I give our listeners including myself, 
plan out your own funeral. What would it look like? What would the testimonies be if people got to stand up and just talk about you? What would they talk about? Now, at a funeral, people don't tend to talk about the things they hated about you. But we've all heard about the people who've walked away from funerals and thought, I need to go and look in the casket and make sure that was the guy that was in there. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, uh, maybe, maybe tease that out a little bit in your life. What would, if you died today, I'm talking to Christians now, you're going to go to heaven because you placed your faith in Jesus. But what will the funeral be like? 